It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So Nancy goes to stay at the luxury pet hotel out in uh, kind of borders of Enfield. When you're away. When I'm away. So you get to sample the delights of some wonderful Mediterranean location. She goes to Enfield. <laughs> she does. But it really is luxurious. Is so it? you can download an app. So if I wanted to, I could watch her all weekend because there's an individual camera uh, in her individual lodgings. And she takes her own bed with her, very much like the king. <laughs> yes. And she has her own food and she just runs in now. All the people who run it are so lovely. So she really loves it up there, but it's ridiculous. Yes, well, I would imagine it is. But you can <laughs> indulge yourself with a bit of Nance cam if you get bored <laughs> on your trip. But I think it's a bit unfair that it's not a two-way camera because I think she'd like to see me. Oh, do yourself a favour. <laughs> oh, come on. This should be great. And then she could, you know, she could broaden her horizons. She could effectively come on a little trip with me. I'm trying to think what cat cam would be like. Realistically, it would just show a long image of your cat asleep in a number of <laughs> other loca- different <laughs> locations. And then a bit of licking. Yeah. <laughs> sleep again. She is having another go to her privates. <laughs> uh, oh, and she's so tired, she's having another kip. Um, so where does Dora go when you take one of your sojourns aboard? <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a dear friend and neighbour who usually bribes one of her kids to come in and make okay. sure she's got enough water and kibble uh, for the for the duration. Okay. She doesn't really mind when we go away. Although I say that, but then when we got back after Christmas, uh, it was noticeable that she spent she spent a lot of time on my lap the first evening. Oh, we I'm back. sure she misses you. Yeah, and I, no, think I think she does. Of course they do. Of course they, they do. They must do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is all because I'm uh, I'm I am going away next week. So Jane is. Uh, the show looking emotional on her own and the podcast own. with on my the other Jane. The other Jane's yeah. coming in next week. Okay, so uh, uh, let's be honest. Uh, the other Jane's extraordinarily smutty. Uh, on the smutometer, I register about three uh, out of ten. Mark Herons is like a twelve. She is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's spinal tap. <laughs> she, she really is. Uh, I'm very much Emmerdale. Uh, so uh, if you've <laughs> if you want to uh, indulge the other Jane, then you know what you can do. It's it's still Jane and Fee at Times Radio, but the other Jane will see will see what you come up yeah. with. Yeah. So obviously, when you were away last time round, uh, I thought I would entertain her with stories of my aromatherapy yoga, but of course, you know, she's done. Like my fire orgasm, primal scream, 
in a, naked in a, in a yurt. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Just like in in Nebraska. Yep. At dawn. Yeah. Yoga so, with a lavender spritz means nothing. No. It means absolutely nothing to the that. woman. She did that before she was out of her teens. Primary school. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but it, don't worry. We're we're continuing to operate at a very pedestrian level here. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly suits me. Uh, and uh, Fee is going away next week. But rest assured, there'll be some sort of service provided. So dig in. Right, now this is an email special. You should never call anything special. You should imply, without using the word special, that everything you do is special. Shall I start with uh, this maybe laugh out loud, Jane? It's from Nancy. Uh, spelling it a different way, N-A-S-N-A-N-S-I. Uh, I was chuckling away during the week when you mentioned your fear of driving around the Arc to Triumph and it brought back a lovely memory. Many years ago, my beloved mum and I went to spend Christmas with my brother in northern France and decided on an adventure to travel south to Paris for the new year. I mean, that is a bit of an adventure. Can I say, why? Pourquoi? <laughs> Oh, my word. I was driving Mum's trusty Nissan Micra. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's always a good start to a story, Jane. She was navigator. I agreed to drive strictly on the agreement that she wouldn't navigate me anywhere near said monument, to which she agreed. These were the days of a scruffy map, no sat-nav. We were pleasantly tootling along the wide streets and came to a junction. I asked, what is that huge structure up ahead? You're ahead of us here. To which she replied, Oh, I'm so sorry, love. That's the Arc de Triomphe. We must have made a wrong turning, but isn't it lovely? We coped, but ye gods, the number of lanes, all unmarked, and we survived. But what was funnier was that during our drive home, we negotiated the peripherique in the early hours of the morning. Luckily, traffic was light and we made good progress. That is a terrifying road as well. After some time, Mum pointed at all the signs at the entrances to each tunnel, which said, Allumez vos feux and turned to me and said, people must waste so many cigarettes driving around the peripherique. She thought the sign meant extinguish your cigarettes. Oh, how we laughed. Uh, long departed and deeply missed, she and I had the most wonderful, eccentric adventures together. Thank you for bringing back such lovely memories. Absolutely our pleasure. And I wonder how many other people thought they were being told to extinguish their cigarettes before driving through a tunnel. Uh, and good to know that the Nissan Micra was your vehicle of adventure. Yes. Uh, it's quite a small car, isn't it? It's a Nissan? very small car. I've got a feeling that it's a car I've... I certainly lost it after in my time because it's probably quite parkable, uh, even by those of us who struggle with that particular... Um, how would you describe parking? Necessary activity yeah. if you've passed your driving test. Yes, it is. Uh, it is. <laughs> uh, it's one of the many reasons I don't drive all that much is because sometimes you have to stop. You can't just keep on driving. You've got to stop somewhere. And um, I find that quite challenging. <laughs> keep out of my way. Um, that will now give me nightmares. I will have a dream tonight about finding myself in the Arctic The peripheric. In a very small car. Yeah, oh. or the peripheric. Peripheriques are, they are bigger than British motorways, aren't they? Well, I think they are, aren't they? And, um, I mean, I find them, I find driving on the other side of the road really, well, really terrifying. Just wrong. Yeah, constantly, constantly have to think, am I on the right side of the road? Uh, I just find the peripheriques really frightening because they, in France, they just don't seem to have the same length of uh, exit and entrance lanes. So oh. the people coming on to, and this is motorways as well, mm. in mainland Europe. The continent. <laughs> you know, the, what do you call them? You know, the slip roads, roads. The slip roads, thank you. The slip roads, they only seem to be about 100 yards long, whereas yeah. our slip roads can be delicious. They give you time to build up a bit of speed. Absolutely. You know, put your foot down, change gear three times. Yeah. But I don't want to suddenly arrive on the motorway. 
No, um, I don't know. I think if I ever were to drive in France, I would have to be in contact with the French government and just ask them to remove all other road users uh, from the roads for I the think, duration yeah, of my stay. I think a slow cavalcade, yes. a motorcade, would be a very good idea for you. Yeah. Just take the train, love, for God's sake. Yes. Um, actually, I quite fancy that. It's funny you mention that. I would love to take the, the train down to the south of France, because you can do that now, can't you? You can, Waterloo, yeah. yeah. All the way. Yeah. So a colleague of ours told me about an amazing train journey uh, he had done from New York down to Texas in Gosh, America. That's yeah. good. And I didn't, think, um, I didn't think that train travel in America was particularly celebrated, because it's quite hard to get from big cities Is it? on I don't the know, trains. Because you hear about yeah. the Greyhound buses and obviously the freeway and all the rest of it but you're right not, yeah. not so much the train so i did try to do a trip myself and didn't just you know i just couldn't make those connections uh, but he said it was just amazing because for a whole kind of 48 hours of constant train journeying you are just in this desert wilderness which would be astonishing mm. actually no that's a bit frightening isn't it no but also brilliant yeah that's just the vastness. I wonder whether if we got a different wardrobe, so maybe some pink jackets and stuff like that, we would be able to get a commission. Doing some train journeys, Jane. Do you think anyone would be interested in what, that? Around Britain? Yeah, um, well, around, uh, around the world. After what I've said about Avanti West, I think uh, the chances of us getting sponsorship from them is a little limited. Oh, I think we should try. Mm, OK. Well, if anybody wants to follow my adventures as I change platforms at crew for a delayed train to Liverpool Lime Street. No, you see, we don't want to follow that. Uh, some energising TGVs down to the south of France. Let's welcome a listener in Belgium, which uh, keen fans of geography will know is not that far away from France. Uh, Frederick is a 43-year-old Belgian man, and he describes himself here as completely enamoured with both you and your audience. Rather nice, isn't That's it? That's lovely. Welcome aboard. Ever since I discovered your podcast, says Frederick, you have been accompanying me on my daily after-dinner walks around town. I found your delightful podcast by Googling, and this is where I really, really warm to Frederick, by Googling comfortable and cosy podcasts on Reddit. I never really understand Reddit. What's Reddit for? I don't really know either. I think it's like the bandit country of searches, is it? No. What, what would you usually Let's be ask on a young for? person. What do you go to Reddit for, Kate? There's a bit of everything on there. That doesn't help. No. You can, I mean, that makes it sound like little. It's, it's like a forum. Mm. Okay, so you can so have... there's different channels. So there might be a podcast recommendation channel. Oh, so it's, mm. it's people chatting to each other? Yeah. Right, good to know. Okay, so we came up on Comfortable and Cosy. I think I'm pleased about that. It's okay. It's okay, but... Did you want to be on... Sexy and scintillating. Yeah, challenging and... Erudite. That's it, <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, it actually turns out it was our previous podcast that came highly recommended on Reddit. Oh, okay, oh that old cushion. Yeah, you can imagine my... Di- yeah, a bit of soft furnishing meant nothing to either of us. <laughs> you can imagine my disappointment, uh, says Frederick, after realising the first episode I'd ever listened to was going to be your last. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funny the way uh, La Vie turns out, isn't it? Anyway, uh, he says he's now discovered this new one uh, and he really enjoys it and particularly admires the brilliance of the listeners. Uh, thank you for being so lovely and British. 
And if you ever have a bad day, remember you're entirely responsible for this grinning idiot dressed in reflective safety gear walking around his hometown every night. Pardon any grammatical errors, says Frederick. English is not my first language. Uh, first of all, for never, ever apologise to either of us for grammatical errors in something that isn't your first language. Anyway, I didn't spot any. No, Fantastic. sounded very good. Why are you walking around in reflective gear in your hometown? Is is are you going, safety conscious? Yeah, but are you going for a walk as a form of exercise? And well, you're not suggesting he's a late night prowler. <laughs> no, I thought maybe his job is to do with you know maybe he's a you know a caretaker of a town or something like maybe he's a policeman. Uh, he could be. Um, well, we don't know, and we'd like more from you, Frederick. So you're very welcome. Thank you very much. It doesn't matter how you found us. We're just glad you have. And um, let us know more about what you're what you're doing. But yeah. please don't apologise for the grammatical errors. Uh, now, quite a Non-existent, few anyway. of you have been uh, in touch about hair removal at unfortunate and difficult kind of times in life. Uh, and it's something that an, an awful lot of people have thought about, Jane, but not realised that other people are thinking about it too. And sometimes that is the magic of the podcast world, isn't it? That you'll say something out loud. Yeah. And when you hear it, you go, yeah, that's me, that's me. Um, this one is just an example of lots that we've had. And it comes from Alice. And it is very sad, but I want to read it because I think it's very, uh, it's very moving as well. So... Uh, I'm not usually one to have the confidence to email him, but your conversation yesterday about hair removal in one's final days was very close to my heart. And that's a sentence I never thought I'd say. Uh, so Alice goes on to say, in 2016, my 31-year-old sister Sarah died from bowel cancer. I was 29 and we were as close as two sisters can be, even though she lived in Sydney and I lived in London. After my parents and I received the horrendous call from her husband that we were in the very final stages of her illness, the three of us jumped on the next flight. I found it particularly amusing that only the day before this, I'd received a picture message from Sarah from her hospital room of her in a face mask with one of our best friends who also lived in Sydney. As the days went by and she gradually became more weak, one day she softly requested that someone bring her some tweezers. Apparently her ever-dutiful husband had bought some from the hospital shop a few days before and she proceeded to pluck her eyebrows with a little help from me while I held up a mirror. I hadn't really thought much of this at the time other than it was completely unsurprising of Sarah as she was always immaculately beautiful and incredibly dignified. But since she died, it's always been a moment I've cherished and smiled at. Sorry, I'm having a little moment there. Just carry on. It's lovely, this, actually. To be able to hold the hand of the person and walk them to the end of life with their pride and dignity protected is a true honour. And it's often helped me in my grief to hold these moments of true love and care close. We always joke that under no circumstances would we want dry lips if we were incapacitated and the other must be on hand with the lip balm if required. But in reality, it was always the stray hairs that were really important. Uh, Alice says, thank you for all you do in keeping the sisterhood alive. You've given me a lot of comfort over the years in providing the types of conversation that Sarah and I would always have. Thank you for that. I think that's it's lovely. And why? I mean, it, it's it's... Far from insignificant, isn't it? That it's a very touching thing to do for somebody mm. at an incredibly vulnerable time, and you can completely understand. I've never, I've, you know, I know, but it's just a truth. I've never been seriously ill in my life, and I, how fortunate am I? That's absolutely fantastic. We're lucky. touching wood. No, no, lucky yeah. old me. But, but I can absolutely imagine that if I were in that state, 
you would still care. You would absolutely care about your bloody eyebrows. Why shouldn't you? Of course you would. Of course you would. And uh, and also because you probably are thinking about so many other enormous things. Mm. You know, I think the I think those thoughts would become big as well. Yeah. And and when you're in a a state where you wouldn't be able to keep your dignity any longer. Of course, your appearance is part of that. So um, what a really amazing memory, Alice, to share with us. And, you know, Jane and I are sorry that you've lost your sister. Um, but also, I think in just sometimes in telling other people about those special moments of closeness, you do the world a bit of a favour because, you know, we all understand and it makes us think how we'd like to be with the people we love too. And um, we haven't mentioned this, have we, but cancer is obviously um, very much at the heart of the national conversation in, in Britain at the moment because of the King's uh, very public diagnosis of, of cancer. And so um, you don't have to be a fanatical royalist of any kind to be thinking about it and about what it must be like to be diagnosed with cancer and indeed to be close to somebody who's been diagnosed with it. So um, there is a there, there is more openness now in Britain, isn't there, than there was... Certainly back, I'm thinking oh, back gosh, to... Yes. And so the comparison's been made to Queen Elizabeth's father who died of lung cancer yeah. and the nation wasn't told. No. So even when he was being operated on and he was operated on at Buckingham Palace or Windsor Castle, they didn't even take him to yeah. hospital. The yeah. surgeons came to him. But uh, people were told that he was having some structural operations done. You know, mm. there was a really odd shame about cancer. Oh, they're really... Well, I mean, this is long before even you and I were born, so this is back well, in me, the... not you. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was just before I was born. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, in, in the 1950s, I think, early 1950s. But even during the course of my own lifetime, it is true to say that... Um, we are much more open about cancer and um, discussing it. And, I, you know, I think I've mentioned before, but the, by far the cleverest girl in my class at school died of cancer when we were 14. And uh, although it was... It, I can't say it wasn't discussed, but it wasn't discussed properly and openly with a group of quite vulnerable teenage girls. I wish they had been, I don't know, more... I'm not blaming anybody for this because I think it was a different time, but, um, you know, I am glad that we are now much more likely to it doesn't make having cancer any easier by the way but at least we it's right up there and it's mm. open and it's there's no well there certainly shouldn't be any shame attached to no. having it although i do think so, something a bit weird has happened though i think in the way that cancer is discussed with uh, young people i know i know that the statistic one in two of us will get cancer in our lifetime mm. is very important to know but i think that's quite scary to tell kids and i know that that's in some feelings classes as your kids call them um yes you know the official p p uh, phse yeah uh, and uh, you know i don't know whether that is actually you know something that the national curriculum is advising teachers to talk about and it's all about informing kids about making good choices about what you eat and what you do and all that kind of mm. stuff but i think the i think it is frightening to that is frightening. be told that cancer you know will get you know, there are three of us in this room. It'll get one and a half of us. Yeah, We're OK knowing that. But I think when you're much younger, 
that's frightening. So maybe there's the pendulum could swing a tiny bit back. We just need to be careful how we frame it all, don't we? And also, it's just worth saying you can take you can take all the precautions you like. You can be as fit and as healthy as you like. Uh, but age, old age, is actually the biggest risk yes. factor of all. Isn't and it? I'm so, sure that you know um, Sarah, Alice's sister, was 31. Exactly. Jane. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, so, so she was exceptionally unlucky. Um, yeah. So young people do not need to be to be too troubled about their own chances of getting yeah. cancer. Uh, just a final one uh, from us on the subject of uh, chin hair, facial hair, all that kind of stuff. Uh, this one comes from Gemma, uh, who says, uh, Fee's innovative idea of having a moustache taming beautician at the dentist. That's never going to happen. Is it reminded me of a funny story about my dad. He was visiting me in London and we popped into the Richmond branch of Debenhams to use the loose. As we were leaving, we passed the threading bar where a couple of women in reclined chairs were having their upper lips t- tamed. My dad glanced from them to me, looking a bit confused. He said... What are they doing getting their teeth flossed in Debenhams? This made me laugh and love him even more. That's great. And we need to clear up whether or not you can still buy beef consomme Oh, soup. let's clear up. The nation waits. And the relief is unimaginable because you'll never guess Waitrose are still flogging it at the relatively reasonable price of £1.40 per tin. Uh, but it's very and thin, is that condensed, isn't it? though? Is it oh, condensed? It's got to be undiluted. So for... it's got to be condensed to work in yeah, the snaffles recipe. mousse. Yeah. So you can't you can't actually make snaffles mousse with beef consomme soup. But if you want beef consomme soup, Waitrose are selling it one pound forty. Yeah. Have you ever tried to make consomme? You have to put an egg in it or something, don't you? What? And swish it around, and it and it picks up all of the the bits and pieces, and that's what makes it clear. Goodness I've learned me, that I've... from MasterChef. Really, I yeah. know nothing of this. No. Okay. No. Um, so, you, gosh, I mean, every day is a school day. It certainly is. I didn't know that eggs were involved. Because how? Oh, anyway, uh, aren't you interviewing somebody from Master Chef? I'm interviewing John T. Rhodes, or as he's always been known in our house, John T. Rhodes. So I'll be calling him John T. I think there was a cricketer I'll called John T. Rhodes. Maybe yeah. the, the kids just always thought he was. They, they just they couldn't get to road as a surname. Uh, hello, lovely ladies. This one's from Pat. The ginger nut concoction was a Dougal pudding. This is your mum's pudding. Well, no, it's lots of people's puddings. Uh, I think everybody's doing it. Um, uh, this one comes from Carla, who says, the mystery starter reminded me of my nan's famous crunchy chicken. This was chicken leg dipped in beaten egg, then coated in bachelor's chicken noodle soup powder. <laughs> and deep-fried in smelly old oil. It was delicious in 1983. And about the same time, I worked in a small flop-papered restaurant where the chef had a slight variation uh, of the ginger roll on the menu. The ginger nuts were dipped in brandy, smeared with chunky marmalade, stuck together in a log, then covered in cream and grated chocolate. Hashtag 1984. That's a solid no, I'm afraid. I I absolutely don't want that. No. Uh, so mum doesn't 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 really call it anything. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a thing. It was just you know mum's cherry pudding. Right. I had a slight hankering for it last night after talking about yeah, well, it. Yeah, well, I'm sure you have had um, yeah. a hankering. Just reminded me, I've got one of those gu puddings in the fridge, and it's no, it's eat by date is tonight. I think you'll be okay. Is it the chocolate one? Uh, it's honey and something. Oh. Uh, and do you keep the ramekins? Well. Uh, do I? This is a very, very good question. I have a collection of ramekins, which I... I do you know what I do with them, Fiona? I fill, what do you do with your ramekins, I, Jane? I, I fill them with nuts and put them on my occasional table when I'm having people round for drinks. <laughs> 
just a uh, just a hashtag serving suggestion there if anybody wants to <laughs> well, be like me. Put your nuts in a bowl <laughs> and eat them. There we go. Surfing suggestions are hysterical. <laughs> I mean, when you see them, when you see images, of things, yeah, I bloody know that's what you do. I think. <laughs> the best ones are always uh, things like um, oh, what those crispy pancakes, Finder's crispy pancakes. Their serving suggestion was just a little piece Put them of on a plate. lettuce, <laughs> just just behind the crispy pancake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, a bit of garnish. Yeah. Do you, does it still say serving suggestion on? Oh yeah, on you, you quite often see it. See it. Okay, yeah, I yeah. didn't know that. Oh yeah, oh. I've, I've got time on my hands to read boxes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When I'm not scattering ramekins filled with nuts all over my occasional tables. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. What have you got next? I've got... Uh, this is it, it actually um, started quite a conversation about making friends in later life. Yes. I just want to acknowledge, uh, first of all, uh, Sam is in Illinois. And uh, honestly, we're so it's always just frankly exciting to get emails from outside the UK. <laughs> so keep them coming to Jane and Fee at times.radio because you don't need a stamp for any of this, do you? That's very true. So we've got Frederick in Belgium. Yeah. Who's, who's in Illinois? Sam. Sam's in Illinois. And, um, it, you know, it's not like sending one of those blue airmail letters uh, that we used to get back in the day. You can just do it in an instant email. It's been around for a while. I'm really getting into it. Anyway, Sam says, I've got a slightly different take on this idea of making new friends at an older time in your life, an older age. I moved to a small rural town in the Chicago area four years ago. I'm not sure I arrived here thinking that I didn't want to make new friends. But then the pandemic kicked in and I had to have some surgeries. And before I knew it, I'd been here for three years and I hadn't really made any local friends. It was at that moment, at the age of 55, I decided I was, I was OK with it. The thought of having to start over and figure out who I could connect with just sounds exhausting. Also, with technology, I'm able to be in touch with my lifelong friends all over the world. I chat with my cousin in Surrey in England every day, almost. I text with my cousin in Barbados and chat weekly with my auntie in New Jersey. I visit friends in Michigan and back in Chicago pretty regularly, so in all fairness, being able to do that probably makes my chosen life of solitude more bearable. The town I've moved to is welcome, welcoming, people are friendly. I go to dance classes, go out to the wine bar and the shops, but I'm satisfied with having a nice chat, but not following through. I promise you, I'm not a curmudgeon. I just can't be bothered starting over when I have wonderful, rich and full friendships in my life already. I've got three words I try to follow every day. Purpose, health and connection. There you go. Good words. Uh, Sam, thank you for that. On another topic, uh, I loved Boy Swallows Universe. Recommended to everyone. I've even loved the Netflix series. OK. Uh, but Sam doesn't like the new book. OK, fair enough. Well, uh, thank you for that, Sam. That's just... I mean, that's one version of doing what you want to do. I suppose if I was going to quibble with Sam's life choices, I might say 
that it's all absolutely fine as long as Sam remains in good health. Uh, but you <coughs> never know when you might need somebody IRL who could pop round and really help you out. Yeah, but I guess you can't really make friends with people on the basis that one day you might need to ask them for something. This do, is news do, to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam does say, of course, that they've had they've had some surgeries already. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, but look, uh, it's I totally get it that I don't know what sex Sam is, so I'm being careful here. But I don't know what connections they feel they need. Well, they obviously don't. They're obviously quite satisfied with the connections they have yeah. got. I thought it was a really interesting email because you just very rarely hear discussions about friendship or loneliness that say that, you know, I'm I'm not lonely. Yeah, and I'm, I might I'm be not alone. in need of, yeah. of many more friends. But also, isn't that just a lovely statement about being content? Yeah. Just yeah. about feeling that your needs are being met, uh, that you don't want for company you don't feel that you need to be heard by somebody uh, and you know you're not being driven mad by people who you expect more from so that's a good take but there is another side to this and this is a listener who is uh in uh oh she's 68 been widowed for three years and moved from devon to the wirral to be nearer an adult son now and this is something that um a lot of people do um and i i understand why they do it but when you've lost your partner it's quite possible that your children might put a bit of pressure on you to move nearer them. And what can happen, of course, is that whilst it might make the adult child's life a little easier, it is probably quite challenging for the older person because they do have to up sticks, move to a different part of the country, and their adult child or children will be quite busy and may not have as much time for them as either of the two parties might have imagined. Anyway, our correspondent goes on to say, uh, people in the North are generally warm and welcoming, but I haven't made any new friends since I moved here in 2022. And I have joined loads of groups. I'm currently in a book club, a Tai Chi group, a choir, a knitting group, a dance class, and the University of the Third Age. While we chat away while doing the activities, we don't ever meet up outside the group times. So while I do keep busy, for much of the week, I do find myself a alone. I have got used to this now and I will go to the cinema, the theatre and galleries by myself but weekends can be long and often I don't actually speak out loud for two or three days at a time. People in their 60s and 70s don't seem to be too interested in making new friends. They are in established networks and it could be hard to break into them as a newcomer. Um, I'd be interested to hear if anybody my age has had any success in finding new chums after moving. Um, thank you for that, because I do think that's another important perspective. And I'll just go back to my earlier point that it's it's terrific for the adult children when mum or dad moves nearer them, but it may not be that easier for them. That no. easy for them. And I think that's, that pull back to the valleys is uh, just borne out by so many people as being really strong. So to go kind of in the opposite direction, to be asked to set up a new life in a new valley... Uh, could be a little bit tricksy. I do know people for whom that really hasn't worked out, actually, as well. What, moving to be yes. near children? Yes, yeah. yeah. Just because, uh, to your point, really, you know, the, the, the kids are busy yeah. and the grandchildren don't need you as much a bit further down the line, actually, and head off out that, that too. That is true. I think that that relationship between grandparent and grandchild can be incredibly touching yeah. and very important, but... But having said that, Jane, I just I tend to follow my children at a maybe... I don't know, 10 kilometre distance for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Hello! 
just one town behind you. Oh, this, this is actually uh, a really tricky area, and I wonder if people have they're got... Not, they're not getting away. No, I wonder no. if you have got views on this, do contribute. <laughs> I mean, I certainly, my sister and I, we did have conversations with, with our parents about them moving nearer one of us at, at one time, and they, they just didn't want to do it. Now, has that made it slightly challenging at this point in their lives? Well, it has, because of Avanti West. Because of Avanti... It has, it yeah. has. If you had a nice train line, you'd be laughing. But... but <laughs> I do understand. I understand that their commitment to, to being in the northwest was, you know, they just couldn't move. They'd n never known anywhere else, and frankly, they weren't prepared to get to know anywhere else. Mm. Difficult. Um, so this comes from uh, Pamela, and it's about Colette. Just to kind of round up where we started, actually, with the meeting friends later on in life, and this is just delightful. So Colette was our original listener who had moved to North Staffordshire, hadn't she? Yeah. Uh, in her fifties, I think, and was just struggling to find uh, really good kind of deep friendships to make. And Pamela, because you are just a lovely listener, as so many listeners to Off Air are. Uh, has offered, because she's in Staffordshire, to move there in her 50s with her husband. Uh, she would very much uh, like to pass on contact details to Colette uh, and uh, would be very happy to pop along, meet up and see what happens from there. So, Pamela, you're lovely. What a generous thing to suggest and keep us posted. So we'll do the due diligence and GDPR and all of that kind of stuff, and hopefully you can meet IRL. Do you know what? So there are acronyms in that sentence that would have meant nothing to me four years, five years ago. Oh, so these days... But it flowed, didn't yeah, it? No, Perhaps I mean, it flowed, I, I wasn't even going to it flowed. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, the museum. We're so <laughs> we're just so very fashionable. Actually, have we mentioned that we're on the syllabus of a? Uh, an, you mentioned an institution. that because I did. I did say to our producer today uh, that we needed to publicise that actually yeah. because that doesn't happen very often. I don't think it does. Well, one of our colleagues, Megan, yes. uh, has a sibling at a. I won't mention it, but at a drama school, a very reputable drama very, school, very prestigious. And I speak as a regular theatre girl, of course. I was at Metamorphosis only last night. I speak as a speaker. Yes. And um, uh, our colleague's brother was recommended a bit of homework, and it was... Off-air. To listen to off-air. But we couldn't really work out why. No, and we're still mulling it over. <laughs> um, but uh, whether it's because they think at this particular institution that we're very good at acting like complete bell-ends, I don't know. Or well, do you think there could be something else? It will be interesting. We need to ask again. But for the moment, we're going to assume it's a good thing. And so we're going to tell lots of people about it. Yeah. And if you never hear us mention it again... Yeah, it'll be because... Then uh, it's because it was embarrassing and they were being told to go and listen to these two absolute twaddling idiots and learn how not to speak. Uh, there was a programme that I did for the World Service, Jane, that ended up on the curriculum of the University of Massachusetts. And quite honestly, I could die happy now. Well, just as a I, kind of lasting thing. Retrospectively, congratulations It was on that. really weird. We went to meet the students. Uh, it was called My Perfect Country. So it was just a show about if you were going to build a country from start, which bits of the world would you take Good where idea. things have actually worked? So they used this as part of their master's curriculum. And it was just one of those really weird things. It was just like this is... You know, the, the professor had heard it on the World Service late at night and just thought, that's quite a, a good kind of... And course. Cu cutting straight to yeah. the... Uh, did you get any money out of it? I think the BBC did. <laughs> Not sure I saw a lot from it. But it was a nice, purposeful thing, because the weird thing about 
what we do for a living is it goes out into the ether, doesn't it? Radio. I, I mean, I love radio for that, but there's nothing permanent about radio. Oh, I won't have you say that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no, that's it now. No. But you're, you probably are a course somewhere. <laughs> do you think at the University of Liverpool? Uh, it was a D-fill in Garvey. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Uh, let's check in with Linda in Cheltenham. Do you remember buying cheese and it was always cut with a cheese wire on a block? Yes, I do. Oh, that's a lovely memory. Oh, that is a wonderful memory. And then it was beautifully wrapped in a neat parcel with greaseproof paper. Also, the daily loaf, equally beautifully wrapped in tissue paper with the ends tucked in. Oh, this was so much nicer and better for the environment than vacuum-packed cheese and plastic bags. Mm. Linda, thank you very much for that. Do you still go anywhere where they have a juddering... Really. <laughs> where they have a juddering bread slicer? I, I haven't felt the judder of a bread slicer in quite some time, Fee. Well, i tell you what, darling. You need to get your white sliced loaf down to a juddering bread slicer this weekend and just remember the pleasure. Right, get on with it. <laughs> Museum of Lost Experiences is the title of probably my final email. It comes from Glyn. Uh, I'm totally with you on the pleasure of a library stamp. Everybody has loved the fact that, uh, that the this dicker. is called a dicker. Yeah, it's brilliant. Everyone, They must be called dickers from now on. And um, would like to add uh, one of those Dymo label thingies to your virtual museum of lost experiences picture attached after lots of pestering i remember getting one for my ninth birthday so this is the thing where it's got the alphabet going round it in a circle you put a piece of plastic tape through it you turn the letters stamp it turn the letters stamp it uh, and so you it's can not get... the slickest is it it's not the slickest it took absolutely forever and if you made a mistake oh go right back to the beginning glyn remembers getting one for her his ninth birthday are you sure you wouldn't prefer a skateboard from bemused parents and subsequently labeling everything in my bedroom book pencils door etc <laughs> the whole process of threading the strip of tape into place turning the dial to the correct letter pulling the trigger only to find you'd chosen the wrong letter was a sensory overload simpler times says glenn <laughs> and you're right actually and do you know what one of my kids had one of those when they were younger and i came downstairs in the morning and she'd done the same thing so there was a sticker waiting for me to wear all day, just yeah. said mum. And then uh, I, there was one on the kettle and then there was one on the plant that just said plant. <laughs> it's on a leaf. Who was that helping? Just said plant. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> uh, I loved oh, it. Um, let's end with this just because it just made me smile. It's from uh, Judith, who's actually talking about caring for a grandchild. Uh, my hus husband had severe dementia and needed 24-hour care, but I visited every afternoon, even when he didn't know me or occasionally accused me of outrageous behaviour. But four afternoons a week, I left early to collect my granddaughter from primary school. And her happiness and sheer joy of life saved my sanity. Sitting on the floor, playing hospital or school or holiday with a battered collection of toys was restorative and calming. My husband is dead and my granddaughter is a teenager, but I honestly thank her from the bottom of my heart for her love and her laughter in such bleak times. I'm now her taxi driver and she still makes me laugh. Um, Judith, I'm really glad to hear about that. And I absolutely understand that those afternoons after being with your um, the husband, I know you love very much, but after being with him in trying times and circumstances, uh, what a wonderful contrast to be able to then go and uh, collect a, a bundle of joy from, from school and just spend a bit of happy time with her doing those imagination games I was just crap at. And I do hope 
that I somehow gain a new ability to play them at some point in the next decade, should I get the chance. Yeah. Do you think you will? Do you think no. that... <laughs> No, I think you might surprise I'll just say yourself. to Judy, no, let's just play radio stations. I'm the presenter and you're the record librarian, OK? I know you've never seen a record because you were born in 2031, but that's neither here nor there. That's what I'll be doing. I think you're going to love being a grandparent. Oh, my God. Well, we're a long way off it. Yeah. As far as I can make out. But honestly, all of those shopping trips you can do, I mean, you could go to Little four times a day. Oh, actually, be different yeah. breaded products available all the time. Oh, the middle of Little is going to be transformed in the next decade, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it wonderful. And I think the opportunities will be endless. Oh, right, well, yeah. I've got to go because I've got to interview somebody in a cult. And <laughs> Fee's got actually. to interview John Tarode. John and Tarode. I haven't had my lunch. Oh, my word. You've done well. Uh, thank you for all of your emails. Keep them coming. Uh, we read every single one of them and we're so grateful to you for basically providing the content that doesn't go amiss uh, Jane and Fee at times.radio is our email address and we're back with you on Monday uh, well I'm not actually, Jane's back with you it's the Janes for a week enjoy I think people will <laughs> and if anyone is interested in more lifestyle tips from me, um, please ask I've got loads, not just the ramekins absolutely loads <laughs> bye We're bringing the shutters down on another episode of the internationally acclaimed podcast Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Henry Tribe. But don't forget that you can get another two hours of us every Monday to Thursday afternoon here on Times Radio. We start at 3pm and you can listen for free on your smart speaker. Just shout play Times Radio at it. Uh, you can also get us on DAB Radio in the car or on the Times Radio app whilst you're out and about being extremely busy. And you can follow all our tosh behind the mic and elsewhere on our Instagram account. Just go onto Insta and search for Jane and Fee and give us a follow. So in other words, we're everywhere, aren't we, Jane? Pretty much everywhere. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.